Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake podcast. Today, I have a special guest. I have Jennifer Woodward, who is a coach on my team. And as I always tell our prospective clients, she is a hot ticket and I love working with her. She is super duper smart. And today we are going to talk all things testing, perimenopause. We're going to get into some misinformation that we have been seeing on the internet and social media and whatnot. But anyways, Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Tina. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. You are my favorite fellow carrot lover. So I just love getting to hang out with you. (laughs) Yes, yes. And even before we officially started this episode, we probably talked for a good 20, 25 minutes (laughs) about all things health. So we're, we're getting down to business now with this episode. But Jennifer, I thought it would be great for just the listeners to know who you are, what you do, what you're all about. So do you want to just give us a little intro? Yes. Yeah. So I'm Jennifer. I have four kids. I am married to my high school sweetheart. Tina and I were just talking this morning. I have pygmy goats. So those are some fun things about me. (laughs) Um, I have my master's in integrative nutrition and I am an FDN. So I love being on this team because I love functional lab work. In my other part of my professional life, I also run a business school for other FDN practitioners and I'm the former director of RSA. Association of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Professionals. So being in this game, being in this space is just what lights me up. And I'm so excited to talk about perimenopause today. Yes. Favorite topic for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, let's start with, I mean, this is what we do here with Carrots and Cake. So if you're somebody that's listening, you've been thinking about working with our team, I think this is going to be a really good episode because we're going to talk about some of the imbalances that we see on the functional testing that we run on our clients and how, you know, this data can explain some of those perimetopause symptoms that you're experiencing. Because I can't tell you how many women come to us saying, oh, my doctor ran this blood work everything looks normal, but I still feel like crap. I actually had a discovery call the other day with a client who said her doctor made her feel dumb when she asked for hormone testing. And I just like hate stuff like that. It like kind of drives me crazy because especially if you're like an advocate for your own health and you're just not getting what you need, it's really, really frustrating because you know, you don't feel your healthiest self. So I'm a big fan, obviously of the functional testing, Jennifer too. So let's start with the Dutch, which is the hormone test. So what are some of the common imbalances you see and how would that relate to common perimetopause symptoms that women might experience? Awesome. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things I get to do on team carrots and cake is look at all these Dutch tests, look at all these functional lab tests and, and help write protocols for our clients because the labs tell us so much information that you're totally right, Tina. Like people are just not getting from their primary care physicians because the doctors either, they don't, they don't know about these tests or, you know, people are fitting into this typical perimenopause archetype. And so they're like, well, it's just perimenopause and you just kind of have to deal with it. We're like, no, you can actually feel better. So looking at the Dutch test, which is an at-home dried urine test, it's super easy. I always tell my clients, it's kind of like a pregnancy test. You just pee on a little piece of paper and then you send it through the mail could not be easier. But what we're looking for in perimenopause are wildly fluctuating levels of estrogen. So estradiol or E2, and that's kind of like your primary female hormone. And then we're also looking for declining levels of progesterone. Now, progesterone is, I call her 
queen progesterone. Like she is my favorite hormone. I am always looking for progesterone levels in our perimenopausal clients because, you know, most of our clients will come to us. We see this all the time, Tina, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old. And, you know, they've been on birth control. They've been on the pill. They've been on, you know, an IUD. They've, you know, been on these hormones, these synthetic hormones for so long. And, you know, it's not a knock against anyone. I was on them too. Like we just didn't know any better. That's what we did (laughs) because that's what our doctors gave us. And so being on something like the pill for, for decades effectively shuts down your body's production of progesterone. And what does progesterone do for women? Well, it gives you a balanced mood. It gives you really deep sleep. It helps offset any of the bad things really that estrogen can do in the body. Estrogen really is a growth hormone. So we see a lot of like endometriosis. We see a lot of, you know, uterine growth. We see a lot of PMS or clotting or heavy periods when estrogen is high in women and when estrogen is unopposed. And by unopposed, I mean, you know, progesterone levels are low. And if we go back to what I was just saying, you know, if you've shut down your body's production of progesterone for years or decades, you're inevitably going to have high levels of estrogen, relative, relatively high levels of estrogen. And that's when the crap hits the fan. Like that's when you go to your doctor and you're like, oh, what's happening to me? Like, I'm not sleeping. I'm gaining weight. I have this belly all of a sudden that's like busting over my yoga pants. My hair's falling out. I have all these digestive problems. And my husband wants to divorce me because I'm a bee all the time. <laughs> like, why? Why is this happening? And we can really look at the Dutch and see, oh, this is what's happening. You know, your estradiol levels are high. Your progesterone is relatively low. And that's going to start to affect your, your stress hormones. So we, that's some, a, a third marker that we'll look at on the Dutch test to really look at an indication of, of a woman kind of transitioning into perimenopause, you know, fluctuating levels of cortisol. And cortisol, of course, is our, our major stress hormone. And when you look at, you know, our typical client, and I'm speaking to you, ladies, you've probably been really effective in your career. You're probably a parent. You're probably doing all of the things. A lot of our clients, including myself and Tina, identify as type A personalities who just work to get stuff done. So likely you've spent years or decades under sleeping, over stressing, under eating, over exercising. So those are other things that will show up on your Dutch test with either high or low cortisol and low progesterone. So that's kind of what I'm initially looking at when you a Dutch test, like what's going on with those hormones. <laughs> I feel like the Dutch is so great for women in perimenopause just because those hormones are shifting so much. And I mean, it's a natural part of aging, but you know, all the things that you mentioned that could really throw your hormones out of balance. I think it's nice just to have it there on paper to be like, this is what's actually happening in your body. And it's a little bit different than what you would see on blood work. So do you want to talk about that where we're comparing apples to oranges? It's a little bit different, you know, what we see on the Dutch versus blood work, but what could the Dutch show you that might not show up on typical blood work? Yes. Love that question. So when you're looking at blood worker or serum levels of things like estradiol or progesterone or even cortisol, that's what's coursing through your bloodstream at any given moment. But the problem with steroid hormones and steroid hormones are again, things like estrogen and progesterone, right? They have a cholesterol backbone is those are they're bound up in our fat tissue. So we can have much higher levels of estrogen in particular inside our our womanly bodies, in our breasts and our stomach and, you know, our, even our bellies. Right. But that's not necessarily going to show up in blood work because that estrogen is kind of stuck almost inside our bodies. 
So when we're looking at the Dutch test, that's a urine test, we're looking at metabolites or breakdown like like materials from those estrogens and progesterone, testosterone inside our body. So it's a much better marker of what's actually going on inside the body instead of a single snapshot. So that's the other cool thing about the Dutch is we're looking at your body's data for 24 hours, not necessarily just that single snapshot in time. Most important for your cortisol levels. When you think about, you know, if you're going to your doctor and you're getting your cortisol tested, cortisol is a stress hormone. So you've probably had a cup of coffee, you've woken up, you've raced to the doctor's office, you're sitting about to get poked with a needle. So what's going to happen to your stress hormones, man? They're going to be like super jacked up. But if you're taking a pee test in the comfort of your home after getting out of your warm, fuzzy bed, you know, it's going to be a, a much better marker of what's going on with stress hormones. And that's why we tend to see a lot of really lowered cortisol levels. Like, like the gas has been siphoned out of the tank, right? Like energy has, has completely tanked and we'll see that on the Dutch test. So that's kind of one difference between blood markers that you get from your normal doctor and then the Dutch test itself. But the other cool thing that I really love about the Dutch is because I'm like such a nerd is it breaks down all those markers into, again, metabolite. So further breakdown of just, you know, estrogen, further breakdown of progesterone. Now we're looking at all the little pathways that those metabolites can travel in the body. And for a woman in perimenopause, I'm specifically looking at her estrogen pathways. So the body has to methylate or get rid of estrogens in, in the body. If you have insufficient bile, which Tina and I were just talking about before we hopped on today, and your body, you can't essentially poop out that excess estrogen, it's going to be reuptaken into the body and you're going to experience more symptoms of perimenopause or PMS or heavy periods or mood disturbances or clotting. So it's important for us to look at those, those methylation pathways of, of estrogen in particular, both, well, all of them, E1 or estrone, E2, estradiol, E3, estriol, and how the body is kind of like pushing them down these little tributaries to exit out the colon. If we see that there are some elevations in these less healthy pathways, the 4-hydroxy or 16-hydroxy pathways, Pathway, then we know we got some work to do on your detoxification and methylation. And again, that's something that blood work just isn't going to give you that breakdown, that that really granular picture of what's going on with your hormones, which is why I am obsessed with the Dutch. Give me all the information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Same, 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 same. And really like the Dutch is what got me into all of this functional testing for the reasons that you just yeah. said, because if you run your blood work, you're getting the levels of your different sex hormones. But with the Dutch, you're kind of seeing what they're doing in the body and how to best optimize them and help you feel better. Because yeah, I just feel like getting just the levels of your hormones is like, cool, thanks. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's why a lot of times, like what you might do with a conventional doctor just kind of ends there. They're like, okay, it's in a normal range. You're good to go. But if you're still having a ton of symptoms, it's like, well, what do you do about that? And I think that's where the Dutch is really helpful for giving you like an actual game plan for helping with that estrogen detox and feeling your best, getting rid of those symptoms, all the things that we've been talking about. But I'm just glad you right. have that section of the test because it's one of my favorites too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, and you've probably had this happen multiple times as have I, you know, I'll be sitting with the client and sometimes like she'll start crying or she'll just be like shell shocked or 
didn't have anything to say. She's like, now I realize I'm not crazy. Like I've been feeling crazy because my doctor said my lab work was normal. But now that you're showing me like there are all these imbalances, like now I know there's a reason why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And that's so empowering for women to have that information. A hundred percent. And even coming from a personal level, I went for years, you know, getting all the normal labs, normal blood work, everything's good. And just feeling like I, it was just like a dead end. So exactly what you said, like being on a call with somebody and being like, no, actually there are things that are a little bit out of whack and now we can do X, Y, and Z to help you feel better. So there's definitely that like empowerment for sure. And that's, that's why functional testing so great. <laughs> so many things I can say. But anyway, so that's the Dutch. I think Dutch hormones, love all that for perimenopause women. Let's transition to the GI map. We were talking about the GI map before we started recording. Love the GI map. But do you want to give some details about what the GI map is, you know, what it tests and, you know, maybe some of those imbalances that you might see on that test for a woman that's 35 plus. Totally. And again, this is why we love functional lab testing. This is a test kit that comes to your house. It gets mailed to your house and you perform it in the safety of your own house, right? So it's an at-home stool test and you're just going to poop in a little sample cup and then you're going to send it back through the mail. Like it feels a little wrong, but it just could not be easier. Um, and then, you know, it takes us a couple of weeks to get that sample back. We, we don't see your sample. It takes us a little bit of time to get your lab test results back, but it's so, so informative for so many women because we have women who are coming to us. They're like, like I said, I'm busting out of my yoga pants. How does that happen? I'm up a dress size. You know, my gut is constantly bothering me. I don't have energy. I feel like I have more sensitivities to foods than I ever have. And those are kind of nebulous symptoms. But with the GI map, we can look at specific markers as to why those things might be happening. Now, to your question about perimenopause, there's a couple markers that I look at in particular on the GI map just to see like, is this pushing us toward that perimenopause kind of, you know, imbalance for women? One of them is beta glucuronidase. That's a mouth full, but it's a marker of how well your body is detoxifying that estrogen that we were just talking about, right? Your body has to methylate to get rid of, of that estrogen, but it also has to do a process of glucuronidation. And so that is a little bound enzyme that is going to help get rid of excess estrogen in the gut. So if we see elevated markers of beta-glucuronidase, I know that there's a ton of estrogen that's stuck in the system, right? And again, this is going to lead to symptoms of perimenopause, like PMS and blood clots and heavy flow and inability to sleep, all the things that you're complaining about to your doctor. We can kind of see that happening with that beta-glucuronidase. Now, here's a really interesting tidbit. I also see elevated beta-glucuronidase in men because <laughs> we do run this test on men. So if your man is struggling with like man boobs, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> something like that, let's run a GI map because we can see that it affects men as much as women, but specifically for perimenopause, that is the marker that I'm looking at. But along with perimenopausal symptoms, excess estrogen is going to slow other things down in the gut. It's associated with constipation. It's associated with slow gut motility. So we'll also see on a lot of GI maps, like elevated levels of bacteria that shouldn't be there in the small intestine. You know, that's commonly associated with something like, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or just a, a gut that feels expanded and cruddy all the time. So if we see high markers of these dysbiotic bacteria or low markers of like good bacteria, bacteria that are there to fight off the bad guys, I can tell you, okay, this is maybe one of the reasons why you feel like you're so bloated all the time or why your stomach hurts all the time. And then we can look deeper and see, 
oh, also you have a parasite, <laughs> which, you know, is probably, you're probably not being tested for in conventional medicine too. And man, it's usually that parasite that's making you feel like you need to put on a bigger pair of yoga pants every afternoon. Cause you're just going to get more bloated and have more pain. So the cool part about all this is that we can do something about it. We're not just leaving you with these test results and being like, Oh, that sucks. <laughs> we've got protocols. We've got things that, that we've worked through with clients successfully to help them mitigate those symptoms and really start feeling better and almost their best in perimenopause instead of just normal, you know, we can get you feeling better, which is really exciting. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I do think a lot of that narrative is like, Oh, it's just part of getting older and like, yeah, you hit perimenopause and it's going to be a shit show until you get to menopause. And it's, you know, perimenopause is a long time. It could be anywhere from, you know, four to eight years, sometimes more for people. So like, you don't want to feel like crap that whole time. And of course, you know, the healthier you are in perimenopause, the better you're going to be when you get to menopause. So I do think like doing the work now is really important just for healthy aging, your happiness, longevity, all of those things. So yeah, like I do think the functional labs can really give you just a game plan. Like what the heck are we going to do to make me feel my best? and not suffer through this phase of life. So real quick, let's just touch upon the HTMA. Are there any markers on there that might give us some information as far as some imbalances going on? Because at Carrots and Cake, we run the Dutch, the hormones, the GI map, which is looking at the gut, and then HTMA is looking at a mineral status. So yeah, anything that jumps out on you on those tests that could explain perimenopause symptoms? Yep. I know how much you love your minerals, Tina, and I am totally the same way. The HTMA is cool because we're looking at these ratios. So not single levels of minerals necessarily, but the ratio. So what I'm looking at for women in perimenopause is what does your thyroid ratio look like? So we see that a ton. Like I would say over 90% of the time, yeah. our clients will come to us and they've got an elevated thyroid ratio, which means their calcium levels are too high. They're pushing calcium out instead of utilizing it. And their potassium levels are way too low. And again, if you're kind of looking at this nature versus nurture theory of perimenopause, which I think we should, we've got these women who've just been pushing so hard for so long that they're wasting their stress minerals. Like when the body is under a prolonged period of stress, it's going to dump things like magnesium, potassium, and sodium. So we will generally see either what's called a four highs pattern or a four lows pattern where you're either truly deficient in calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, or your body's pushing them out so fast in your hair, skin, and nails that they're bio unavailable. So I will see anomalies in those four minerals pretty much all the time for women in perimenopause, but specifically that, that thyroid ratio. So that calcium to potassium ratio characterized by super low potassium in most cases. And then we'll see anomalies like in, in blood sugar balance. So, you know, that calcium to magnesium ratio is generally off for clients. And then we're also looking at what are your adrenal glands doing, right? So it's really, really important to optimize sodium and magnesium phosphorus for optimal adrenal health. And I will often see those ratios are, they're so far out of range that they're like, they're off the charts. And my clients will start laughing. They're like, Oh, <laughs> that's why I have no energy. Or that's why I feel like I can't adapt to stress because, you know, my minerals are all over the place and who checks for minerals? Like, that's why it's so fun to have this test because we can go in and start optimizing, you know, mineral status. And that's when clients feel better very quickly when they're remineralized, like their minerals are the spark plugs of the body. 
And so now you have your spark back and that helps you make better choices with exercise, make better choices with eating, get to sleep at a decent time. And it just starts the whole process of holistic living and feeling better in perimenopause. Yes. That was a great explanation. And yes, I love the minerals, but I love them for just what you said. Like you feel so much better. And I think when I started paying attention to minerals, I saw such a change in my energy levels. And I was like, there's something to this. <laughs> this is magical. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about a lot of the women that we work with, you know, they are super duper stressed. They're working full time. They're raising kids. They're exercising. They're trying to do all the things. And their bodies just naturally become depleted from all of that stress. So if you think about adding and remineralizing and giving that body the nutrition and that, you know, the spark to their cells, like it can just make your whole body work better and it can make you feel better and have a better mood and more energy. I love this test. One, because it's so easy. You just cut your hair, send it off to the lab. It's so easy, but it really is kind of like the foundation of like nutrition and good health. And I do think from there, you can start to see other things progress and change. So I'm big, big, big fan of minerals. <laughs> Minerals over macros, ladies. Minerals <laughs> <Yes>. over macros. <laughs> yes, yes. Big, big fan of the minerals. Okay, so let's, so <laughs> a little background. Jennifer and I recorded this episode in the past. <laughs> so this is our second take on it. And the last time we recorded this, we did a little section on misinformation that we've heard on the internet, on social media. So I was hoping, Jennifer, you could address some of these things and just, you know, kind of our approach to a lot of this, because I don't think we're dogmatic about any of these things, really. I, I think we do have a very moderate approach, but they're hot topics. So the first one, which it goes hand in hand with my husband handing me my second <laughs> coffee of the day. Um, coffee, this whole idea that like coffee is going to destroy your hormones. You should never have it on an empty stomach. Don't drink it before your workouts. I mean, some of this could be true for some people, but like, what is your general stance on coffee and the morning coffee? I love it. Okay. So I'll cheers my coffee with your yeah. coffee. There we go. Cause I am also drinking my coffee, but here's what I've done, right? I've optimized my minerals. I've worked on my adrenal. I get sufficient nutrition. My macros are also very balanced. I get great sleep and I'm not drinking my coffee on an empty stomach. So those are the things that we'll generally, you know, teach our clients to do because a lot of women are coming to us. Yeah. With this misinformation, drink black coffee and intermittent fast and do one meal a day. And they're like, Oh, that sounds great. Now I don't understand like why I'm crashing, you know, or they're drinking three cups of coffee, you know, a day or four cups of coffee a day and not realizing that that actually is like causing some of their, their afternoon sleepiness or their inability to get to bed at night. So we both do take a very moderate approach. Yes, I'm drinking coffee, but I actually drink quarter half coffee. So three quarters decaf, one quarter regular caffeinated coffee. You know, I'll put some collagen in there. I'll put some organic heavy whipping cream in there. So I'm getting some protein. I'm getting some fat. It's almost like a meal in and of itself. It's definitely not black coffee on an empty stomach, which is akin to like just whipping your adrenal glands. So I am definitely a fan of coffee and I encourage my clients to have coffee in moderation, but only after we've worked on some of those foundational healing techniques. Mm -hmm. Yes. Agree. That's my same. And I've, I've had two breakfasts today. So <laughs> second breakfast. 
Yeah. So I guess I can have two coffees, right? Right. Uh, and obviously I love iced coffee. So there's that part of it too. So the other thing I think we hear a ton too, is like, nobody should do intermittent fasting, or if you're a cycling woman, you should never do intermittent fasting. So what's your opinion about intermittent fasting? I feel like we're also kind of moderate with this one too. I think we are too. And listen, my clients hear me say all the time, like I'm very ancestral in my thinking, right? So how do we do things today as like modern Americans and how is our health falling apart as opposed to how our ancestors lived even 100, 200, 300 years ago. Intermittent fasting wasn't necessarily a term, but it was definitely part of being a human. We didn't have unfettered access to crappy food 24-7. So I do think that it's very reasonable to integrate some intermittent fasting. And ladies, I'm talking like 8, 10, 12 hours just naturally like stop eating after dinner and start eating with breakfast. You don't need to eat six to eight times a day. However, as American women, now we tend to go to the extreme and we're intermittent fasting for 18 hours, 20 hours, 22 hours. We're doing OMAD and wondering why we can't lose weight. It's just because the body is not necessarily designed to operate in these extremes, right? Can you skip a meal every once in a while? That's probably a great idea, you know, for blood sugar balance and weight loss and even adrenal health. But should you push your body harder and harder and harder without the proper nourishment it needs, like doing workouts and taking care of kids and working and not sleeping? Absolutely not. And that's why it's really important to work with a coach so you can figure out like what works for your body and not just like your friend on Instagram. Mm-hmm, 100%. And I also think like goals come into play a lot because, you know, I get a lot of DMs and people will be like, what yeah. do you think of intermittent fasting? What do you think of this? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it really kind of depends on your goals and like what's going on with your health. Because as you mentioned, intermittent fasting can be great for a lot of things in the body. But at the same time, like if you're looking to like build muscle, to have energy throughout the day, like you might not want to skip some meals. You know what I mean? So it just kind of depends on what you're going for and, you know, what your goals are and how you want to feel. But I don't think intermittent fasting is necessarily bad. It really just depends on the woman. So, you know, again, we're very moderate on that stance. I agree. I love that. Yeah. And then uh, the next thing I was going to talk about also related is cardio. So I have been somebody who's very outspoken on Orange Theory. Some of my most viral content has been about Orange Theory. And I don't hate Orange Theory. I don't hate high intensity cardio, although I think I've got this, this label at this point, but that's it. That's also like being in this space, like this very black and white thinking, you know, if you say, don't do orange theory, don't do Peloton. It's like, oh my God, you're like, you could never do it. It's the worst thing ever. And again, I think cardio is great for so many reasons, but I think, again, we have a moderate, moderate take here on this, but what is your opinion on cardio and how does that work with women in perimenopause and maybe our clients, the women who come to us too? Totally. Man, labels, schmables. Should you be active? Yeah, you should be active. Like, do you have to punish yourself in a gym, you know, or on a stair stepper or like jogging, <laughs> jogging, you know? No, you don't have to do that, right? You you want a body that is, is functional, that's able to move well for the stressors that it needs to like mitigate during the day, right? Like I want a body that's healthy and cardio is part of that. But that doesn't mean again, like running for an hour, five times a week, especially at perimenopause. I always tell my clients, you know, do all the cardio you want if you're a 23 year old dude, because you don't have to worry about hormones. You don't have to worry about stress levels. You don't have to worry about a body deteriorating or muscle 
deteriorating. But if you are a perimenopausal woman, like after the age of 35, you can do 30 minutes of cardio three to five times a week. That sounds very reasonable. Like that's a normal amount of cardio, but absolutely like punishing yourself in the gym or doing orange theory or like CrossFit or high intensity interval training five, seven times a week. You want to think about what that's doing to your hormones. Like in a woman's body is very, you know, sensitive to outside stressors. And after a while, especially if you're not sleeping and if you're dieting and if you're stressing, you know, that, that cardio in and of itself just becomes an extra stressor that further deteriorates the body. And a lot of women don't realize that if they're doing excessive amounts of cardio, they're actually eating their own muscle. Your body is like pulling amino acids from your skeletal muscle in order to compensate for the energy needs it has. And so you're not losing weight. You might be losing muscle and that in the the long term is not, you know, what your body composition goals are. You want to be building muscle in perimenopause. So you and I are both huge fans of strength training. Body composition is going to accelerate with strength training in perimenopause instead of deteriorating like it will do with, with too much cardio. So again, a balanced approach, do not too much. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And that's the thing about the cardio. And I, I feel like a lot of us have come from the you know, hour on the elliptical, like tons and tons of running, but it's just too much of a good thing. And again, I think it really depends on your goals, your overall health, because like you were saying, you're just adding more and more stress to your body. And we see it a lot with our clients that they'll come to us working out five, six, seven days a week. And it's probably just too much for their body. And then of course, when you're doing all that high intensity training, you're jacking up your blood sugar. (laughs) Like it leads to cravings and, you know, you want more sugar, you want more carbs, your sleep gets a little bit wonky. So I feel like there's this fine line between being fit and consistent with your routine and overtraining. And I think for a lot of women, it is helpful to have a coach just to have that second set of eyes to be like, maybe this is too much, maybe less is more here. And personally, you know, since stopping, I was that person that would run like five miles to a CrossFit class and then like five miles home. Like I was exercising way too much. I mean, nowadays I work out two days a week, maybe three days Mm -hmm. a week. And then I just walk. And I mean, I think my body composition is the best that it's been in years. And it's literally less, (laughs) less is more. And the two or three workouts that I have, I get so excited for them and I just lift heavy and I like work hard, but then I have plenty of time to recover. And I think that's really important too. So I totally agree. And I know that like people want to know like, Hey, what does my coach do? So getting to hear Tina's schedule, I think is great. Like I, I do the same thing. Like I came, like I was always athletic. I was playing every sport. Like I will do every exercise. I like it. Like I enjoy exercise, but I did realize, you know, it destroyed my adrenals. It really did about nine years ago. So now I'm also my, my own coach has me on like a a very moderate routine. I walk about 15,000 steps every single day. I lift heavy three times a week and I ride my bike around my neighborhood. Like I just get on my little, my beach cruiser, ride my bike for cardio 30 minutes, three times a week. Could not be more fun or easier, except I did fall off my bike a little bit ago. You can see right there. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from that, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I I just think in perimetopause, like you just need a different approach with the fitness. And again, coming from a personal standpoint, it was really hard for me to get behind doing less after many years, decades of working out 
almost every day. I mean, in my like height of overtraining, I was like training for marathons and doing CrossFit. And it's like, no wonder my body was so beat up and my adrenals were so depleted. And I was a hot mess at that point. But I just thought it was, you know, you should do more, go harder, faster, do more. Like all of that was just in my brain for so long. So it's, it's taken a long time to kind of like trust my body, I guess, in that, you know, if I do less, I'm not going to just gain a million pounds overnight. <laughs> so yep. it's definitely like the mental part of it for sure. Yes. So the next question, so this is a good one. I actually got this from a past client and I thought you'd be the perfect person to address it, but I am also very outspoken <laughs> about hormonal birth control and the pill and just having informed consent. Like I just feel like doctors need to do a better job about all the side effects and things that can happen from being on the pill for long periods of time. But I'm also a big fan of women's rights, women's rights to reproduction and control of their bodies. So I'm glad that these options do exist as well. But this client, she asked me, she was like, you know, for those of us who choose to be on hormonal birth control, what could we do as far as supporting our bodies and just being our best selves, like on hormonal birth control? Because I think that's a great question because, you know, this period of time where you might need that birth control, or this is what's working for you right now. And obviously I don't want to shame anybody. This is your life. You do you. But for somebody who's like, I'm choosing to make this decision and I want to be on the hormone hormonal birth control, like how would you suggest that they best support their body or what should they look for as far as like deficiencies and things that just might need a little support? Love that. And I'm definitely aligned with your thinking there. Like it's an inevitability for so many, you know, young women or even like women of uh, perimenopause are like, no, I don't want another baby, but there are definitely things that you can, that you can look for, you know, according to Dr. Lara Bryden, there's three different nutrients that get depleted when you're on the pill, one is magnesium. So, you know, eat more magnesium rich foods. You can take a magnesium supplement. I really love um, natural calm magnesium powder, which is like one of my favorites. The other one that gets depleted is vitamin B6. And so you can eat more vitamin B6 rich foods like nuts and seeds, whole grains, some good lean meats, or take a B6 supplement if that's what you and your coach decide. And then the final one is zinc. And that's really important. Zinc gets depleted when you're on the pill. And zinc's important for gut integrity and gut health. It's important for immunity. It's important for hair, skin, and nails. So I am always trying to get my clients to eat more zinc in the form of like seafood, or you could take a zinc supplement, of course. Those are three nutrients that, that every woman on the pill is probably going to want to add into our diet either with, you know, food itself or possibly with supplements. The other thing, you know, your body is shutting down progesterone because that's natural. That's your pregnancy hormone. So you're probably not going to be, you know, sleeping that well, your mood might be a little bit off. So it's just so important to drill into nutrition, make sure you're getting at least, you know, a hundred grams of, of high quality protein every single, single day, you know, hitting a sufficient calorie goal, not over dieting at that point, because your body still needs that nourishment to support you. Cause you are, you're on a, you're on a drug. Like, let's be honest, it's a, it's a drug. So your body has to compensate for that. The pill also kind of robs you of mitochondrial health. It robs you of ATP. So making sure you get some of that dark meat as well, like red meat or like, you know, turkey leg or something like that to get purines so that your body can create more cellular ATP is really important if you're on the pill as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Cause yeah, I know there's a decent amount of ladies out there that they're like, I'm on the pill. It's working. It's doing what I need to do, but obviously want to be, you know, my healthiest self. And I know we're short on time here. I'm going to ask one more question and then we can wrap up. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about seed cycling real quick, because I know you're a fan of that. I have done that with a ton of clients. I've personally done it, but will you talk a little bit about that? And then also, you know, any other like herbs or anything else that women could potentially look to as far as just better hormonal 
balance. Yes, for sure. I love seed cycling because if you don't want to take a pill, if you don't want to be on hormones, like if you're just getting into this, like I want to rebalance my hormones naturally. Seed cycling is my favorite because it's easy and it, it's tasty. Like it's actually good. All of my seed cycling recipes involve chocolate because that's what women are craving. So, you know, why not treat yourself to it just a little bit while balancing your hormones at the same time? So the premise of seed cycling is trying to eat foods or seeds that increase natural estrogen production in the follicular phase of your cycle. So theoretically days one through 14, then you ovulate usually around day 14. And then your luteal phase goes from like day 15 to day 28 of your cycle. So in the follicular phase, those first 14 days, while you're trying to optimize estrogen, you're going to add in things like flaxseed, which is a natural phytoestrogen and pumpkin seeds. And then after ovulation in the luteal phase, you're going to add in foods that raise B6, which can convert into progesterone theoretically. And those are things like sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. So if that's too much for you, if you're like, oh no, that like, I can't remember all that. <laughs> Number one, there are great recipes for like smoothies or seed cycling, like energy balls, but I will just like myself, my clients, my daughter, like this is her favorite. We just make these like cramp free energy bites that literally reduce cramps by adding flax to the diet. So that's one of the things that you could do if seed cycling is overwhelming, just start adding a tablespoon of flax to smoothies or soups or salads or something. It's a good way to get into seed cycling just in general. Now, from the herb standpoint, like what am I always trying to do with clients? I'm trying to optimize their minerals. I'm trying to optimize their nourishment. So I love stinging nettle. Like nettle is my favorite. I'll have my clients make nettle tea, like nettle sun tea all like all summer long because nettle is such a, a rich source of minerals, like not just vitamins, but minerals for women. So potassium, magnesium, beautiful um, source of like just nourishing foundational minerals. So you can take that as like a, a tea bag. You can make sun tea. You can add nettle itself to your smoothies, soups, or soups or salads. And the other one I love is red raspberry tea, especially if you're struggling with a lot of cramps, it's a uterine tonic, a uterine toner. And so red raspberry tea, you know, with a little bit of stevia or honey and some almond milk or something, you know, the week before your period can be really, really helpful for kind of reducing some of those PMS symptoms. And those are two of my favorite herbs. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And I'm the same as far as like the seed cycling goes. Sometimes I'm like too much for my brain. I'll just do the flax. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> just keep it simple. But yeah, I do think that's like a great first step for just like helping to rebalance hormones naturally. So yeah, just wanted to say thank you for being here and chatting. And before we wrap up here, do you want to just tell people where they can find you, how to work with you on the carrots and cake team, all that good stuff. Yep, guys, I am fully team carrots and cake. I love being here. So if you decide to work with us, I will probably be the one taking care of your lab testing and your protocols. And I cannot wait to work with you. So that is the best way to work with me. Get on our carrots and cake team coaching site on Instagram. You guys can find us online. My personal Instagram is Jennifer Woodward wellness because I told you I got hacked last year. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find me there, but I'm posting on carrots and cake all the time. Um, we would really love to, you know, work with you, especially if you're tra like traveling this journey of perimenopause. So thank you for having me, Tina. Love getting to chat with you. And thanks for listening today, you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>